Grace to you and peace be from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Group home. As a child, the images elicited by those two words always made me a bit queasy. My father, who's a pastor, would sometimes take me with him to go visit the residents at the local group homes. And I'll never forget it. White, sterile walls, strange, sterile smells. But the people, they were anything but clean and sanitary. These were people with mental illness, with social disorders, people with disheveled hair and drool-encrusted chins. Some of them smelled like they hadn't bathed in weeks. Some of them didn't even acknowledge our presence. And I would always ask myself, why is my dad bringing me here? Queasy. It's a good way to describe the way group homes made me feel as a seven-year-old boy. And now, 20 years later, this is the kind of place that God had called me one Sunday afternoon to sow some seed. Loving care group home. And I can't say I was eager to go. See, I'd been to loving care before, and I think that was maybe part of my problem. I knew what it was like. It was utterly predictable. I'd show up, and I would reintroduce myself five or six times, and I would hand out the orders of service that were crinkled and dog-eared from years of use, and I would take prayer requests but I never had to write them down, because they were always the same. Henry wanted prayers for his Parkinson's. Jeff wanted prayers for the military. And, And Joan, she always wanted prayers for her boyfriend, Warren, who she thought was on the brink of death all the time, but he'd always be sitting there right next to her with a toothless grin. And we'd sing the songs, the same old songs, and we'd fumble through a brief service of the word trying to navigate the interruptions and the random shouting from residents, not to mention the inevitable hourly hourly heralding of one of the nurses, smoke break, everyone, smoke break, right in the middle of my sermon. And so two or three of the residents would get up and go outside to have their hourly smoke. And so there I was, preaching a cleansing word to dirty hearts, and no one seemed to care. And I asked myself, why am I here? Where's the good dirt? Are my words just falling on deaf ears and stony hearts? In our text this morning, Jesus tells us what it looks like when words fall on deaf ears and stony hearts. He says, a sower went out to sow. And at first, this parable seems kind of uninteresting, pretty straightforward, right? Jesus, he's just stating the horticultural obvious. A sower goes out and sows some seed. And it's easy. Anyone can tell you the seed takes root exactly where you expect it to. And it doesn't take root exactly where you wouldn't expect it to. But it doesn't take much more reflection on this parable to wonder 
why the sower is so ignorant, right? Why is he wasting perfectly good seed? Why is he casting seed on a walking path and among thorns and in rocky soil? Apparently, Jesus never got the message about how to do efficient and effective ministry. Apparently, he hasn't read the latest book on how to grow a church. His vision casting seems about as haphazard as the sower's seed casting. No, Jesus, do the logical thing. Find the good soil, the soil that's waiting and yearning to have that seed and plant it there because that will produce results. Come on, Jesus, get with it. Where's the good dirt? Where's the good dirt? It's a question we answer every day, but usually in the negative. We seem to know exactly where good dirt isn't. So good dirt surely isn't on the north side of town. Just watch the news. It's void of any evidence that any kind of seed has taken root, and any seed that is sown there by those who would take the risk is trampled underfoot by rivaling gangs, and it's concealed under layers of graffiti, and it's silenced by the echoes of gunshots. No, no good dirt there. What about Nancy? She's 93 years old, suffering from Alzheimer's. She's bound to a nursing home bed. She's cursing the day she was born. She's led a bitter life. She'll probably die alone. Good dirt? Sure doesn't seem like it. Or what about that ubiquitous confirmand who does his time and pays his dues, says amen, and then darkens the sanctuary door for the last time? Good dirt? More like goodbye. We seem to know exactly where good dirt isn't. We know where not to go to find good dirt. And that's exactly the problem. Call day has come and gone. And most of us here will be leaving this place in a few short weeks. Uh, either to go on our vicarage assignments or to our calls into the ministry. We've received our assignments and we've responded with a resounding, yes, send me. Or maybe there are some of you here who have been at this pastor thing for quite some time and that original, here I am, send me, seems like a distant echo. But I suspect that whether we're just starting our preaching ministry or whether we've been at it for years, we all can fall prey to the same temptation. Because, you see, there will be those, those times. There will be those times when you're entrenched in sermon preparation and you have your focus and your function statements and your structure is beautifully laid out and creativity is gushing from your pen and then there's a knock at the door and it's the same old member who comes every Thursday morning to talk about who knows what and no matter how hard you try, you can't get her to leave. How will you sow? Or there will be those times when 
when that list on your desk of shut-ins and hospitalized just keeps getting longer and longer, and you'll be tempted to just put it off and put it off. After all, you've got three meetings this week to prepare for, a Bible study to write, a sermon to write, you've got a premarital counseling session, confirmation class, not to mention two kids at home that need to be put to bed. How will you sow? Or there will be those members, right? Those members who just seem to embody the epitome of annoyance and frustration. And if it were up to you, you'd just rather leave them alone. How will you sow when good dirt seems impossible to find? You know, maybe that's our problem, that we actually go looking for good dirt. But you see, the reign of God isn't something that you just go looking for on your own terms when it's convenient for you. No, it's something that happens to you in the most unexpected places. Smoke break, everyone. Smoke break. It had gotten to the point where when the herald came, I would just pause and wait, and anyone who wanted to get up to go have their cigarette would go, and we'd have as little interruption as possible. So I paused, and I waited, and no one moved. I was kind of surprised, wondering why today was different, but I just kept on preaching. I remember my text was Matthew 18. If a brother sins against you, go and be reconciled to him. My preaching, it was meager at best. A cleansing word for dirty hearts, and I didn't even seem to care. So I said amen, and I took prayer requests. And this one woman, she raised her hand. Her name was Vicky, and, and Vicky should have been outside having a cigarette, but she wasn't. She was here. And she raised her hand and she said in a very simple voice, I was just listening to the Bible in your preaching today, and I just wanted to ask Artemis to forgive me, because we had a disagreement yesterday and I said some things that wasn't too nice. Artemis was sitting across the table and, and he said in a very matter-of-fact sort of way, I forgive you, Vicky." Did that just happen? It was so quick, so straightforward that I almost missed it. A harvest. And what's more, it was a harvest I wouldn't even expect to happen in a, quotes, normal congregation. No, this sort of thing didn't happen here at Loving Care. No, this was a predictable, sterile place. I was surprised. But it only took a moment before I was flooded with humility. Because I saw something beautiful at Loving Care that day. And in a matter of maybe 10 short seconds, I realized how much I had tried to tame the Word of God in that place. How I had underestimated the power of God's Word. How I had tried to do what only God's Word could do. And yet, I had the privilege of watching the seed take root. And I caught a glimpse of the reign of God that day. Bursting forth 
like a golden field of wheat <laughs> in a room with white sterile walls and strange sterile smells. You see, the word of God ushers in God's reign in some of the most unexpected places. And I don't know why we expect anything different because sowing the word which ushers in God's reign is dirty, messy business. And yet we seem to long for a neat and clean and predictable farming operation, right? Take a field survey, get rid of the rocks and the thorns, and find the good dirt. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. Now, Jesus didn't come proclaiming God's reign only to those who wanted to hear it. No, he came, and everywhere he went, he was ushering in the reign of God. And so it comes when he sits in front of the crowds, and he says, Blessed are the poor. And it comes when he extends his hand to that outcast leper, and he says, I'm willing, be clean. And it comes when he says of a dead little girl, She's not dead, only sleeping. God's reign comes in the most unexpected places, even among those who would nail him to a cross. And in his death and resurrection, he yields a harvest that wins salvation for all of creation, for the gangs in North City, for Nancy on that nursing home bed, for all those people in the group homes that my dad would take me to, for Vicky and Artemis, and for you. That seed was sown into your heart and your mind, and it was watered in a baptismal flood, a cleansing word for your dirty heart because Christ cared to the point of death. And now, as people captured by that rain, Christ calls you to go and sow that word just like the sower not concerned about where it falls, not looking for the good dirt while avoiding the bad. No, you go and sow the Word of God relentlessly. So do it faithfully. Love it, embrace it, and proclaim it with all of its might because it is a cleansing, powerful Word that ushers in the reign of God in the most unexpected places. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.